Hey y'all, welcome to Colored Couch Conversations, a podcast where I have intimate conversations with women of color on my couch. Today we'll be talking about being a survivor, toxic male culture, and even toxic black culture, honey, and give someone looking to embrace their skin despite racism advice in the Keep It Real corner like we always do at the end of the episode. I'm your host, Jasmine W., and I have a very special guest this episode, as always. All my guests special, okay? Um... My guest this week is a mother of three beautiful children with a master's degree in criminal justice with a minor in human resource management. Her goal is to work with abused children as a survivor of childhood sexual abuse herself. She's a self-love, self-care advocate. Give it up for Mona Slaughter. Hey, Mona. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. No, thank you. So Mona's my first guest who I actually don't know personally, but she reached out, loved the podcast, wanted to be on. So she has her own podcast, My Journey Within, where you kind of, it's it's basically a diary for you, right? Would you call it that? Okay. What made you start My Journey Within podcast? Well, my job shut down due to COVID. I was laid off from my job. And I actually, the idea came to me because, I had been listening to podcasts for about six months and I was like, I love these. They kind of just allowed me to escape in a different world. You know, I would kind of just go be with myself. And I was like, I can do this. I have a story I can tell. Mm -hmm. And so it was my mom's birthday. That was the last day that I worked. And I was like, what am I going to do now? My job is shut down. It's like, I can start a podcast. I'm going to start one. And so at first, it was named The Journey Within. Mm-hmm. And like I had a different logo, I had a different picture, but at the end of the day, I just wanted something that was mine. So I changed the name, I made my own picture, I made my own logo. So now it's all 100% mine. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? I'm going to be open and honest and raw and transparent because that's what you have to be to help someone. And so the name just came to me and I just started writing things down. And when I get on there, I do feel like I'm writing in my diary or speaking into my diary. And I've gotten a lot of positive feedback. I, I, I went through the same thing. Thank you for sharing that. Or I feel this way. And I always say, if I can just help one person, you right. know, I'm not really so much doing it to get notarized. If it comes, it comes. But if I can just help one person get on the right path and change their lives, and I know I'm doing what God has me to do. Yeah, that's dope. Um, that's, you know, it's the same thing. When It's crazy how something like being stuck in the house or, you know, COVID-19 can bring, like, everybody's like, oh, it, it's terrible that you lost your job. You know what I mean? It's so unfortunate. Um, but there, there, at least there is something good that comes out of it. You get to start this new venture, you know, with your podcast, so. Well, we always start the episode off with a quote of the day, y'all, and you know this quote, Mona, because you picked it. And the quote is, love yourself enough so that when love shows up, it won't be a stranger to you by Jennifer Lewis. I love that quote. What does this quote mean to you? It means everything to me. I actually, she was on The Breakfast Club and Mm. she said that and she kind of gave her testimony to everything she'd been through and how she got into therapy and and I was kind of like in the beginning stages of my therapy journey and I was like I love this and so I wrote it down because I have a little journal that I keep quotes in and and anything that comes to my mind that you know I can go back and use one day and I was like so I say that on my show I say that at the beginning and the end of my show because it's so true 
I didn't love myself. It took a long time. I'm 35 years old now, and I'm finally in a place where I love who I am. Mm -hmm. And it took a long time to get there. So I, I can recognize when someone doesn't love me, and I don't have to tolerate that. So when real love shows up, it won't be foreign to me. I'll be like, oh, he really do love me. We're together, or she do love me. And so that's why I love it. And I love her. She was, I love Jennifer Lewis. I stand Jennifer Lewis. Like I've seen the Breakfast Club interview with her. I've read her book, The uh, Mother of Black Hollywood. I gotta get her book. Mona, that book inspired me. It is so good. It inspired me so much. Um, to the point where I read it on the way to Africa. Really? Yes. And when I got there, I screamed over the ocean because she, she talks about in the book how you, when you live near water, I guess you're more likely to accomplish the things you want when you're near water. And when you go to the water and you scream, shout the things that you want, it's kind of like manifesting those things or shouting those things to God and stuff like that. So I shouted the things that I wanted over the ocean because I was so inspired by that book. Well, thank you, because me and my kids, we're going to the beach Friday. And so I'm going to do that out there. Thank you. You and your kids, y'all better be shouting everything that y'all want to accomplish. Honestly, we will. I'm going to message you and say, girl, we was out there shouting living down in the water. <laughs> okay. That, yes, that's, that's good. Do it. It feels good, too. Um, well, I wanted to ask you, you know, because of this quote and because of this journey you've gone on with loving yourself, if somebody's were to ask you, like, how do I love it myself exactly? How do I do that? What would be your advice for them? I would tell them to, for once, take it one day at a time, because it really is a process and it is a journey. And so it all just starts within. That's why it was so big for me to name it like that, because when you go within, I had a lie I had to heal for my childhood and for myself. So if you're walking around with just this negative image of yourself, because that's how I was. I do contrary to belief i used to be a very bitter angry person mm -hmm. like i would just be mad at the world for what i went through but if i can give anyone some advice i would tell them take it one day at a time one day at a time therapy is not for everybody therapy really helped me get to that place of me learning how to love myself and then like i have affirmations all over my house i have my kids say affirmations and i choose it's a choice i choose to wake up every day and not look at the wrong things i've done but focus on the good thing not saying that i'm better not saying that every day i wake up merry sunshine but it is a choice and I choose to love myself. And so I had to learn the good things about me and who I am and focus on that versus focus on the things I dealt with growing up and all the abuse I endured growing up that caused me not to love myself. I chose to focus on that. So that's the advice I would give someone. Don't think it's going to happen one day or one week or, or you know, overnight. It is, it is a journey. Mm -hmm. Like I say, I'm 35. I am now in the stage now where I can truly say I love everything about myself. I couldn't say that at one point in time. Yeah. One thing, I, had a, I have a question for you about affirmations because I don't have kids. But one of my, a lot of my friends have kids and one of my girlfriends, I saw her, you know, giving her daughter affirmations and she knew them. She's like, what are you? She's like, I'm, I'm, I'm a beautiful black queen. I'm smart. I'm a, you know, how have you, like, have you noticed that giving your children affirmations, it changes them or boosts their confidence or, yeah, I really don't even know how I would go about teaching my kids affirmations. You know what I mean? Oh, so. It is so easy. It really is. Now, my kids, they're 15, 
10 and 6. And my girls are 10 and 6. So mm -hmm. my 10-year-old, I noticed that she kind of struggled a lot because, you know, she was of a darker complexion. And, and my 6-year-old, she's light because she, she's mixed. So I don't have my six-year-old, I give her affirmations too, but her confidence is already like 10 million. Mm. She's up there. So with my oldest daughter, you know, I have them in her room. You know, I have them, we, we say little things in the morning on the way to school. Mm. I have her stand in the mirror. I stand right there behind her, you know, saying things. And I really have noticed the changes. So out the blue, you know, I ask her something. And she, you know, she'll say it quick, but it, it's just, it's repetition. Because yeah. I want them, and even with my son, I have things that I have him say because I don't want them going out there searching for love in the wrong places like I did. Right. So I want them to love to love themselves enough so they can recognize if this person is not a friend, if this is not a good man for me, a good woman for me, you know, to recognize. And so, like, I just have them everywhere. And even, like, I'm a Zoom for me. I'm, I'm in my bathroom. This is my mm -hmm. secret place. But, like, see all on my wall? Wow. Right there. Those are all, like, Bible scriptures and affirmations and things I have. And, like, I have my little count. This is my little counter wall right there. Yeah. And my six-year-old say, Mom, you have a problem. Because you buy so many candles and mm -hmm. everything. But I was like, girl, I love my candles. I, I have the same problem. <laughs> I have prayers and I just, and we, we pray together every night and I've seen the benefits of it because before when I was so wrapped up in myself and I am in my own pain, I sort of neglected my children in a sense because I was so wrapped up in me. So mm -hmm. they, you know, they're trying to find out who they are, but you know, right now we have a great relationship now. We all do. And so I, I have them say, and they're just like, mom, you're so positive and you're so just, and I was like, Hey, it took a long time to get here, but I'm yeah. grateful that I didn't get here. Yeah. So I would say when you do decide to have children, you know, start them young. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Start them as young as you can with letting them know they're loved and that, you know, you love them and they should love themselves and just, you know, nicer things. And before you know it, it'll be implanted in their mind. And that's where you want to be at, in their mind, in their heart, so they'll know. That's really good advice on that, too. Um Okay, so we always have this segment that I call random questions. It helps me get to know you a little bit. Let's go. So <laughs> the first question I have for you is, you know, you know, what made you open up about your abuse and start a podcast about your journey? I mean, that was the question that I had prepared, but I guess what made you open up about your abuse, right? I have people that I know who were sexually abused as a, as a child, physically abused, and I've seen that they don't talk about it until they get much older, 50, 60, you know, and you're, and you're younger. So what made you want to start to share those details about what you went through? Okay. Well, to be honest with you, no one in my family knew until last year. That's the first time I said anything about it because growing up, both of my parents were on drugs. They're still mm -hmm. on drugs to this day. So my sisters were being abused. And at the time when I, I was attacked, I was walking home from school. I was seven. I was walking home from school. I didn't wait on my sister them because I didn't know where they was. But I'm like, I know the way home, so I'm just going to go mm -hmm. home. And I was walking and a group of teenage boys, they appeared out of nowhere and they dragged me into the woods and they ripped all my clothes off of me. And they all proceeded to rape me. And I always say, like, I don't know who this man was. I feel like he was an angel. But he appeared out of nowhere. He appeared and he he scared them off. He fought whatever he did. But mm -hmm. he wrapped his jacket around me 
and he helped me home. Mm. And when I got home, no one was there. And I just remember I went upstairs and I took a bath and I never told anyone because I said at the time my sisters were being abused and my mother didn't believe it because her boyfriend was her drug dealer who was bothering them. So I was like, well, she's not going to believe me either. She's not going to care. So mm. I carried all of that with me for years. I just bared and bared and bared him. And it wasn't until um, 2017 when I, my ex, I found out he had molested my oldest daughter. Mm. And when I found out he molested her during the stages of like us going to court, because I pressed charge and everything, all mine just came up. All that I tried to bear and I tried to hide, it just came up. And so it was like, basically I was, when I started going to therapy, she said, you got all these graves attached to you because you buried all these things that you've gone through. Like I used to have to, um, my mother, you know, she would, after that happened, she would, she just got worse with drugs, but see, she was abused. And so I had to learn her story and not hate her because she turned to drugs and alcohol. I could have turned to drugs and alcohol, but I chose not to. So I just turned to men. Men were a sense of like, I felt like I had to have a man to complete me and everything. Mm. But when we was younger, my mother took us through it. We used to have to, you know, hide food. I used to have to go out and, and do things, young, at a young age, do things with men just to get some food so me and my sister could have something to eat. So, you know, it, it just kind of, the trauma just kind of carried on to mm. it. And so when I got into therapy and I began to deal with what I went through, that's when it came to me like, I want you to work with abused children because you will be able to relate on both sides as someone that was abused and someone that had a child was abused. You could, you know, I can use you in that sense. Right. And it was you and your sister growing up and that's it? I have three sisters. You have three sisters. It was my okay. two oldest sisters that was they older than me. They were being abused. And how did you know that? Just from them telling us. Because we, we mm. all used to be really close. You know, mm. we, we didn't have any choices. It was just always the four of us because my mother was always gone in the streets and everything. So, you know, you just hear little things and whatnot. And I saw how they would act towards a man. And then finally, you know, they, they, you know, they told her what was going on. But she didn't believe it. Yeah. And so you figured just because she didn't believe them, like, why would she believe you? And she's not going to care what I went through. And, and even 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 though I told her last year, it was still met with him. I'm sorry that it happened to you, but then that was it. Yeah, it wasn't no type of my daughter went through this, so but it's okay. I I got healed from it. Right, right. You say that whenever you found out about your own daughter, that those feelings came up for you. Like, what did that look like? It was. <laughs> I felt. Ooh, sorry. I felt like the Walking Dead. I literally just felt like I was just coasting through life. I would get up and I would take them to school and then I would come back home and I would just cry all day and then mm. go pick them up, cook them something to eat, get in the bed and just cry all day because it was, it was coming up. I never dealt with it. And I was like, okay, I got to help my daughter. I got to deal with my own problems and my own issues. And so I had to. And I'm in therapy. I have a great therapist. I, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, I still have my days, but I'm in, a, I'm in a better place in my life than what I was. Yeah, therapy is and so... And she, she's in a better place, too. She's in a great place, my daughter. And you know what? It's... Uh, it... 
to me, it shows like your strength, your ability to stand up for your kids in a way that, you know, you didn't see that your mother did that for you. You know, you didn't have that example of somebody saying, no, I'm going to press charges because this is not right. You know, how do you think that just because you've been on both sides, right? You grew up and your sisters were abused and your mother didn't take action, you know, but you decided to take action for your daughter. How do you think that that has affected your daughter? I mean, she's gone through a life. She was you know, up molested herself, right? So how do you think that you standing up for her changed things for the better for her? Or, you know, how do you think that had an effect on her in general? It's brought us closer. Mm-hmm. We have no secrets. My daughter's 10 now. She's going to be 11 and I told her she was like seven when it happened. And I've, I've seen her come out of her shell. Mm-hmm. I've seen her open up more. We, like I said, we have no secrets. We talk about everything. And anything. And she loves to cook. She wants to be a patient chef. Oh, that's cool. And so, you know, we get in the kitchen and we cook together and we talk. And and I, I just see the growth in her. And I always tell her, you know, you, you're not defined by what happened to you. And, you know, one day you're going to help someone else. Mm-hmm. And that's how I want you, you know, to look at it. Mm-hmm. And your daughter, has she had the courage to tell you that what happened to her? Or how did you find out? She, um, she told someone else. Mm-hmm. She told someone else. And I mean, I was right there, but I kind of felt like I didn't know how to talk, you know, kind of ask her the question. So um, at my church, they have like different little life groups that we can join. And one of the groups I was in was about any type of violence against black women that have endured. And I was just hearing some of the stories that the women were telling. And I just approached the lady at the end. And, you know, her and my daughter, they still have a great relationship to this day. And, you know, we all just kind of sat down and that's when she kind of, you know, told everything what happened. Mm, okay. Do you still go to that sh- church? Um, I do. Now, the church I was at, I was at a church before this church. And um, the guy who molested my daughter, he's still at that church. So we left. What, child? Um, yeah, actually, um, my last little girl's dad, that's who molested my oldest daughter after me and him broke up. So, yeah. So we was all at a church together and I left that church and, you know, he's still there. They chose to take his side because he's the drummer there and everything. And we left and I'm at a great church now, a wonderful church. But yeah, so my baby daddy. Why he ain't in, ain't in jail? Girl, I tried everything I can. I'm saying everything. The the court systems in, in Alabama, and I think that's why a big part of my heart is it's almost like they're with the um, offender more. You know, I went through pure hell with the court cases. They allow him to keep resetting court cases, this and that. I think we went to court twice out of the whole two years. And then finally, it just got to a point where they was like, we're just going to reduce it down. And so I am... I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to share something with you real quick. Um, mm-hmm. I was so angry and I was so bitter, you know, righteous. I had, you know, I had the right to be you but sure talking, with my, talking with my pastor. He gave me a, a scenario. He was like, I want you just to picture. What if they close your case? What if he don't go to jail? If you don't heal and get to a point, I ain't saying you got to be friends with him. You got anything to do with him, but you got to heal and you got to help your daughter heal. And I was like, okay. So that's when I really, really began my healing journey. And just to show they closed the case. They, you know what I'm saying? They they mm-hmm. they they reduced it down. 
And all I heard from God was justice is not going to happen in the courtroom. It's going to happen outside the courtroom. Mm. I was like, what does that mean? And I can tell you right now, Jasmine, the day that they, our court date was the same day me and him was supposed to get married on. That's this, this, I'm telling you, the exact same day. We had the court date. They shut everything down. From that day, I promise you, I bet you he would wish he went to jail. His life, he have no life at all, period. When I tell you everything that God said was going to happen, it's happened. I don't, I don't have to speak ill on him. Mm-hmm. I don't have to go around hating him. And a lot of people, they tend to be angry. Why don't you hate him? I don't have no reason to hate him. His life, that's where he's at now. I'm blessed over here. God's mm-hmm. taking care of me and my children. I don't have anything to do with him. But I bet you would have wished he would have went to jail. Because, man, his life is horrible and he i heard him one day saying it's just like one thing after another after another and i was like look at god look at god right so that that, that's how it is and i mean i don't care what anyone say i don't have any ill will toward him i don't have i have forgiven him but i don't have anything to do with him at all wow i just want to applaud you for you know, doing everything that you could do. And to me, this is a whole nother episode of the podcast around how the court systems often fail, you know, families fail black women in so many ways. And, you know, I think that right now everybody's kind of focused on Black Lives Matter and systematic racism. People don't understand how how ingrained this is. Yeah, it's, it's it was rough, but whew, it's like, OK, I. I We made it through. Mm. We made it through. Made it through and making it through. Okay, well, we're going to take a quick break, y'all. When we come back, we're going to continue with the random questions, but we're going to, you know, talk about the last thing you laughed at and what you do if you had a whole day to yourself, Mona. So, uh, okay, let's talk about this. (laughs) Okay, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey y'all, welcome back to Colored Couch Conversations. I'm your host, Jasmine W., and I'm here with my very special guest, Mona Slaughter. She is the host and creator of My Journey Within podcast, and she's a survivor. We're still talking about random questions. So the next random question I had for you, Mona, is what's the last thing that you heard, read, or saw that made you laugh until you cried? Um, <laughs> okay. Lately, for some reason, I've been listening to Joel Osteen. And, like, I've never been a Joel Osteen fan. You know, and why? Why, been, Mona? <laughs> I, I just, I don't know what it is, but it's just like I I came out of prayer one day. I was praying about something, and I just heard I heard my spirit, like, listen to Joel Osteen. And, like, the very, I went to YouTube. Like I say, to me, he's creeping. His face is just creeping to me. I don't know what it is. But when I clicked on his name, the first message that came up by him, it said, your time is coming. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, because it kind of correlated what I was praying about. So it's ever since then, so it's like he always tell these little funny jokes in the beginning when he opening up. And I've just, I've, this morning he said one, and girl, I was just laughing so hard. And my kids were looking like, what, what is wrong with you? But it was funny. It was funny. <laughs> Until you cried, Mona. Yes, girl, it was, it was funny. It was. I, I, it just he, he got a simplicity about him that he kind of just makes 
loving God and that God loves you so simple. When we try to over, you know, overcomplicate it, yeah. he just makes it simple. And I've been finding myself listening to him. And so I was like, okay. <laughs> Let me tell you, I grew up watching Joel Osteen, uh, Creflo Dollar. Yeah, Creflo. I, used to, I love T.D. Jakes. I love him. I love Anita Bynum. See, now, I don't like... I typically don't like any of the mega church dudes. I do not. But T.D. Jakes in Dallas, I went to his church. I was a member at his church. And that was that church was amazing. So for anybody. I've heard I've heard things about his church. No, I've never heard nothing bad. But, you know, people are afraid of mega churches. I, I want to go visit. I want to go visit. T.D. Jakes church was literally one of the best experiences of my college years being in Dallas because not only did I enjoy the sermons on Sunday, of course I enjoyed those sermons, but they had something on Friday called Brick. So when I was in college, instead of going to the club on Friday, instead of going out, I still did those things. I ain't gonna lie to you. Like I still didn't do those things, but I would go to Brick on Friday and go to church on Friday nights from like seven to nine. And it was just for like 17 to like 30 or something like that. So it was just for younger people. It was amazing. And it just touched on everything you go through as a young person. So I don't let people talk about T.D. Jakes, but Joel Osteen, ever since he didn't let those people in his church, I'm done with him. <laughs> I know. You know what? You can see it all in the comments. They were like, yeah, you're preaching all this goodness, but you didn't let us in the church. Okay. <laughs> like, I'm like, all right, Shimon, because stay focused, stay focused. God told you, listen, this, get out the comments, get out the comments. So that did, I've also found another pastor. His name is Keon Henderson, okay. but I don't know exactly where his church is at. And I like Pastor Michael Todd. I have my son okay. listen to him. Yeah, Pastor Michael Todd. He's the young one, right? Young. Yeah, he is. Okay. He got that book, Relationship Goals. Okay, I, I, he just I came mean, out with he just came out with a book, Carla. But yeah, my son, I let my son listen to him. So my next Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen. I'm 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 not listen, I, I don't like him. I don't like him. I would never like him. <laughs> but I'm glad he took my grandma does. She supports him. She listens to him, watches him every day. So okay, so if you had a whole day to yourself, carefree, your kids is your kids is taken care of, you don't have to worry about nothing. How do you spend that time? Well, first off, I love to clean. Like cleaning fulfills me. It fulfills me, girl. I would clean. I would clean my whole house. I get on my children's last nerve, but I feel like it, it. It does something to my spirit. Like when my house is clean, I can rest good. So I would clean up. I love to go walking. I would go walking in the park. I yeah. would probably go to the gym and work out. I take myself out to eat, yeah. and then I come back, get in some pajamas, and sit and watch Netflix and Hulu all night long. Yes. Okay. That's something I would do. That would be my day because I really don't have a lot of time for myself as being a single mom yeah. and everything. So just to be able to whew, do nothing, girl. I may, you know, I take that back. I may not even put no clothes on. I may just sit <laughs> on my house in no clothes and just have a bunch of food watching Netflix and Hulu because, hey, it, it, I'm in my house by myself. You know what? That's pro that's a really good day. It is. You call <laughs> I, the last, okay, not the last guest, but the guest before last, she was a mom and she said sleep. I'm like, I'm tired of moms doing stuff, cleaning and sleeping to me. Now, 
Okay, I understand y'all y- y'all got kids, but cleaning and sleeping is not something you do with your whole day to yourself. But, but if you know, I've never been a club person, even yeah. even when I was younger. I never went, I never really went to the clubs. I never really did things like that. But I've learned that you've got to have a life outside of being a mom because yeah. you weren't always a mother. You know what I'm right. saying? You were a woman first, so that's what I've learned to just do the thing. Like on Mondays, I have self care Mondays. That's my day. And my children know not to bother me. That's mom's day. Yeah. I take that day right there and do whatever I want to do because you got you gotta have that life outside of there. Yeah. Thanks. And so it is because sometimes we just get bothered down with our children and then when they're gone after you done raise them, you like, well, what am I supposed to do with my life now? But it's yeah. like, no, I'm I'm, I'm leaving. I always joke with my son. I was like, when you got in my house, I'm still going to be a young tenderoni. That's why I be telling him. Okay. And everything. And he just be like, mom, because I, I got pregnant him at 19. Mm-hmm. And so I had him at 20. So he's going to be 16. And he just be like, all right, mom, I'm going to be calling me because I'm going to be somewhere in Dubai. Why are you trying <laughs> to call me? And I'm being rejected your phone call. <laughs> your phone call. He just be like, mom. But you know, it's the same. I tell the the pe- people the same thing about being married too. Like my life is not wrapped up in my husband. We he have his things he likes to do. He just left, and I was like, good. You know, I have my things that I like to do. I do comedy. You know, a lot of times I'm out doing comedy late at night here in L.A., and people are like, your husband is not mad that you out. It, th- that's not my daddy. You know, I have this is something I'm trying to pursue, and he respects that. So. Yeah, amazing. You, yeah, you still gotta. We we're independent first, and everything that comes along with us is just those, you know, additions that happen in our life or whatever. But that's amazing, right there. And I think that'll probably be a great episode for you to kind of help with married women about you got to have a life, even like as a mom outside of your husband. Like you have yeah. to be whole outside, and then you guys be whole together. You right. know, you have your things you do together, but he have his things, you have your thing. That's why I always tell her, like, I'm ready for my husband to come because I'm in a great place. I hope he's there because I'm in a great place that, you know, I'm whole within myself and I hope he's whole and then we can be whole together and just have fun. Exactly. He will be, girl, because you, you ain't going to choose nobody that's not whole. I can already see that in you. But thank you. Thank you. Okay, so let's talk about some trending topics. Um... And it's just, I, I have to admit, Mona, like these trending topics, just because you were on the um, podcast today, it just happened to be like some topics that came around, came up around like abuse or like just, I don't know, just creepy men and toxic male behavior that I wanted to talk about and get your opinion on these, right? So there's a comedian, Chris D'Elia. It's okay if you don't know who he is, girls. It's literally not important. Um... <laughs> And he was accusing, accused of, you know, reaching out to girls he knew that were 15, 16, 17, even 18, which is uh, of legal age. And saying, come to my shows, come to my hotel room before the shows. And just they call that grooming is when you have this conversation with young women and you're trying to get to know them a little bit more and make them feel comfortable with you so that you can possibly take advantage of them, right? There's a female comedian, I guess she's in his circle, and she publicly said on a video on Twitter to stop calling Chris D'Elia a pedophile because there's a difference between a child and a 16-year-old. What is your take on that, right? Because I guess some people are trying to say because the, the young girl is not seven or eight years old, 
she's 15 or 16 years old, it's more acceptable. Like she's closer to being a woman. What's your take on that? Well, the only thing that's different is the age. Like that's it. But still, you have 15 year olds that are not still mentally developed. You know, they're still very, you, you can mold them. They're, they're still very acceptable. So like, whatever, he really is grooming them. That's what he's doing, making them think, oh, I'm a good guy. I'm a good person. You can trust me. And when they trust and when, they, when that guard is down, that's when they pounce on them. So that's the only thing that's different. Right. Now, I see if this was like a 30-year-old woman and everything, well, that's, but no, that's the only thing different is at their age. Yeah, she's not seven or eight, but he is still really grooming them. How old is he? Girl, I think he's like 35. Oh God, yes. Yeah, yeah. And a lot parents. of times when they go for younger women like that, it's because they do want to train them to be, mm-hmm. you know, someone that they can rule or tell you know control and everything. So when they're out there, because they know like a real woman ain't gonna settle for that. Not right. gonna tolerate period. So go for someone younger. Like my child's father, um, his baby mom 21, and his oldest children are 20. And he's mm. 40, ready to be 41. So he, I, I was the oldest woman that he dated. And it was yeah. like, no, I'm, I'm not going for that. Like, you're not going to play with me. So you can run on back over there with the, with the young girls. And, and that's, and that's what he chose to be at. So, uh, right. Right. <laughs> but yeah, he's grooming them. And that's the sad thing about it. That oh, whew, I'm going to have to look this up. I'm going to have to go look that up. I had never heard that before. Mm-hmm. Look it up. I don't know if you're active on Twitter, but if you just look up his name, Look up his name on Twitter. Okay, I am on that. I will. That is so sad. And you know, what's crazy is I did a YouTube video about, it was a little bit about him, but it was also about just the toxicity in comedy culture that I've experienced, just the disrespect, you know, and just seeing men get away with a lot of stuff. Um, And you would not believe how many white men came onto my comments and said disrespectful things to me you know said I wasn't funny I'll never be successful all these kind of things because they're protecting him because he has a large fan base he has like over two million followers on Instagram wow yeah so just imagine being 16 years old and a guy who has over two million followers and you listen to his podcast I'm gonna look him up so check that out. Um, the next thing I wanted to ask you is this actually literally made me mad yesterday. And I had an argument with Facebook um, on Facebook with somebody about this. But Lil Boosie came into fire in 2017 and again in 2020 because he said that he was training his boys right. And by training his boys right, he hired a sex worker to perform sexual acts on his 12 and 13 year old son. Okay. Now, this this always makes me mad, but I also went to the Shade Room post, and the Shade Room has like 20 million followers on Instagram. Yeah. They posted Lil Boosie one week ago, and everybody's in the comments laughing at things that he said, right? What do you think that this says about our culture and the way that we treat, I don't know, the way that we sort of accept abuse in our culture, the way that we sort of look over it? That's what I was just going to say. It's almost like when the next big thing happened, we forget all about that. 
forget about the fact that he basically paid someone to molest his sons because he don't want them quote unquote to be gay. Right. You know what I'm saying? Who I know I know a lot of down low men who have wives and they're they were men, so that didn't change anything. If they're gonna be gay, then they're then they're just gonna be gay. There's nothing he can do about it. But that's basically what he did. And that's I think that when uh from what I have seen growing up, family members they will go on to my house, stay in my house. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kinda like the mentality a lot of people have. They don't wanna talk about it, don't wanna address it. When I came out with my daughter's situation, my family turned their back on me because they felt like I shouldn't have said anything. You should have kept it quiet, like how we kept it quiet. And I'm like, well, that's how it stays in the house. That's how nothing breaks and and changes. And so as a culture, we quick to counsel somebody and then we're quick to also forget about what they did when the next big thing come along that we can, you know, jump on that and talk about them. That's right. still wrong what he did. He still put those young boys in a situation to be like, you know, you're paying someone to sleep with to sleep with your son. It's like, come on now. Right. I was done after that. Like I was like, I could not because if that had been a man paying someone to sleep with his daughters, it'd have been a whole nother story. That is so true. And to be honest, I had not even thought about that. But imagine a man said, I'm going to raise my girls right. I'm training them and hired a grown man to come to their 12 and 13. He'd have been under the jail somewhere. Right. But as for celebrities, they tend to, it's the next next big thing that's happening. So let's forget about what he did. And it is sad. It's really sad. Mm -hmm. It was so disappointing to me to see that because when I was preparing, I was like, let's talk about this particular, let's talk about Lil Boosie. And when I saw the Shade Room posted him a week ago, I'm like, I know the Shade Room is owned by black people. So we have a responsibility. You know, when we create content and when we have a platform that large, we have a responsibility to do the right thing for the community. And posting Lil Boosie to me is just, it's just unacceptable. He didn't care. He didn't have no remorse. It, it was like, uh, it was the thought for him, him to say it. Like, okay. He was bragging like, about it. like, yeah, Boosie, I, I see what you're doing. Yeah, thank you for doing I'm gonna do my son too. No, no, okay. It's terrible. He's He basically bragged about it, so. He really did. He really was bragging about it. And it, it's, it's not, oh, cool. Well, on a lighter note, Juneteenth just passed. It was two days ago. How did you, did you do anything to celebrate? Or did your kids have any questions around what that was? Because you know they don't teach that in school from what I know. I, I pretty much not, how I heard about Juneteenth, no lie, was the Blackish episode. Like, that's how I found out about it. I didn't know anything about it, so I had my kids, we watched it and everything. And, you know, my, my kids are pretty much up on, you know, everything. trends and things, things like that. Yeah, so... It was mostly like, we just kind of, yesterday was a real chill day for us. Mm-hmm. You know, we went out and, and I got them some, they, they got some Father's Day cards for their fathers and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And we just was mostly at the house, just chilling. Yeah. And everything. But yeah, I was seeing all the stuff that people was posting and, and half the time I'm like, half y'all don't know what Juneteenth means, but you just posted it. So okay. It's okay. <laughs> and that was it. I actually, I've never, you know, COVID right now is popping. So we not going out to, they did a big old Juneteenth celebration in LA. There was so many people out there. I said, I'm so glad I didn't go. Girl, most of the time, most places I go is Walmart or Dollar Tree. And then I'm back in my house. Back home. home. I don't play with it. Uh, we, yeah. had, we had really high cases down here. Like it was, re- 
it was just ridiculous high. And I was like, nah, I'm not finna subject my children to all that. So we're in the house. I heard that Alabama was actually getting pretty bad. Yeah, it really is. I'm talking about it. Like, in the midst of it, they had a block party. And, and it was like, they, and then, like, it was all over Facebook. And then right after that block party, I have a friend who works in the healthcare field. She was like, girl, the numbers spiked. They was coming in, coming. And people still getting tested for with no symptoms. Like, they're still yeah. getting tested positive for it. So I was like, stop it. They trying to keep us in the house all year. I'll see y'all in 2020. Or 2021. Okay, well, let's take a quick break, Mona. And when we come back, we're going to step into the Keep It Real corner and we're going to give advice on how to embrace your blackness with everything that's going on. We'll be right back. Y'all, welcome back to Colored Couch Conversations. I'm here with Mona, and we are in the Keep It Real corner. Y'all know we give advice to one of my TikTok followers or Instagram Instagram followers every week, and this question is from Instagram, um, and it is, how can we continue to embrace our blackness right now in despite of racism? What's your advice, Mona? Well, first off, I would say that racism is taught. No one is born racist. Mm-hmm. No one is. It's, it's really tough. And it, it, me, I feel like love can really change a multitude of things. And so when people learn to not only accept who they are, but accept the person, you know, the color of someone else's skin, I think it would change the face of racism because, you know, everyone experience, even though we're in a black, you know, black lives, move, you know, man and everything, but a lot of people experience racism. From black, white, Asian, Chinese, you know, they, they all experience it and mm-hmm. everything. But just to, to keep our blackness, I think we just have to be proud of who we are. Right. And never let anyone degrade us, you know, because we have went through that degradeness for years about being black and everything when people just didn't understand. So don't ever let anyone degrade you. Be proud of who you are. You know, stand in your blackness. Don't don't try to use it to tear other people down because you do have that in some sense too. But use it to uplift. Use it to motivate. Use it to try to make a change out here where we can be seen as equal as well. Because yeah. I don't feel like no one is above the other person. We all should be looking at just equal. It's just something about being black where you automatically, yeah, you exude this radiance this confidence you know i personally believe that all the people you know the science part all everybody comes from black women you know so if you're a black woman listening to this just know that you are that great everything that you're made of your dna your skin your like melanin we say like black girl magic but it is magical in the fact that every body comes from us and we are just genetically that powerful so that's how you continue just to be your authentic self just be you that's already embracing your blackness during the midst of this whole COVID thing you've just seen how creative we've been with the videos and everything I'm, t- I'm just sitting back and all sometimes like look how you know people business coming out and I've joined a lot of the business groups on Facebook black owned business you'd be surprised just how many black owned businesses are out there that we yeah. can support they're like okay and now we're coming up so it's just it's 
it's a wonderful time to be black. And I, you know, I, I walk outside with, with my rap and everything, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, oh, I'm just exuding black girl magic. And I teach that to my kids as well. Yeah. And I think one thing that, you know, you ta- you touched on racism being taught is I honestly, truly believe that most people that I come into contact with that aren't black aren't racist. So once you kind of keep that mindset, like just believe the good in people first before they show you otherwise, then that's that's also another thing that keeps me going. So that's wonderful. That's true. So, OK, well, we're at the end of the podcast right now, Mona. You have you have your My Journey Within uh, podcast. But, you know, tell us where we can find you, where we can follow the podcast and how often you guys or how often you put your episodes out. OK, well, first off, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for having me on. I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, just the flow of it, because I have been on podcasts where they don't even like introduce you or mention Girl. you. They just jump like right to the question. You'd be like, you don't even know if it's me. <laughs> so, but I really, I really enjoyed it. So thank you so much for having me on and everything. And my my journey within podcast. I do a new episode every Monday, okay. and I'm on Anchor, Spotify, iHeart, Castbox. Um, you know all the things that Anchor puts you on. And now I just got picked up by this um radio podcast network. It's called TCP Network. Mm-hmm. They just picked up my podcast, so I'll be on there every Wednesday. And so, like I said, every Monday I come out with an episode. But for the month of July, I'm taking the month off so i have episodes you know saved up and yeah. everything but i'm gonna spend the whole month of july just me and my kids this last little part of the summer with them but i'll still be putting stuff out so i'm just i'm grateful you can find me on all those um platforms right there every monday you hear a new episode and just come on this journey with me that's why i always say it's a journey i'm gonna take you to some great places you're gonna laugh you're gonna cry and you're gonna, we're gonna get your life together and you're gonna heal so. Awesome. And what's your Instagram for the podcast? Um, My Journey Within Podcast. And I'm also the same handler at Twitter. I didn't make a Facebook page. I didn't I, I didn't want to make one Neither of them. So I. I just did. Twitter and Instagram is popping. Yeah. So that's where I, both of mine is at. I do have personal, you know, Instagram and, and um all the other pages. But yeah, so. Yeah. My Journey Within Podcast. Perfect. Well, if you're watching this on YouTube, follow her. You've been seeing the pod or the um, podcast handle on the screen the whole time. So follow her page. Um, and y'all, you know, rate, review, subscribe on the platform that you're listening to right now. If you loved Colored Couch Conversations, make some, make sure you tell someone about the show. Okay. Um, don't be selfish. You can also follow Colored Couch Conversations on Instagram at that handle. And you can watch the show on my YouTube. And that's Comedian Jasmine W on YouTube, J-A-Z-M-Y-N. Thanks to my dad. Okay, so thank y'all so much for listening. And we'll see you next week.